Anyway, the title of today's, which Al didn't even ask me for a title yesterday. But the title is, yeah, type it in. Work now, rest later. Work now, rest later. And we'll try to tie it all in. We'll try to tie it all in. We already gave you the history of Labor Day, or what man designated as Labor Day, first Monday in September. But labor, of course, in the noun would be like, uh, I actually went to a wedding last night. There's a great place up Highway 58 called Howell Farms, Jimmy, just throwing that out there. It's a wedding venue, so I went to a wedding of a, uh, one of my sales reps from Sunbelt, got married, and uh, it's a pretty cool place. They built these cabs up there in a big barn, but it's all a wedding venue thing. It was an outdoor wedding. We prayed real hard so that thunder boomer that went over had passed over, and when the, there was a big black cloud up there, but it actually got through the ceremony outside without it raining and all, but... Uh, Kevin and Autumn got married last night, but one of my other sales reps, uh, actually not married, but uh, his significant other is, uh, is about to pop. Marina was up there last night, and so they were sitting at the same table with us, but she was pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> so we were waiting for a text or a phone call today but about whether or not she's going to Women's East over there on Gun Barrel. But that's not... the. The noun form of labor, of course, has to do with uh, laboring to give birth and that thing. But the verb really just basically means work, right? To labor or to work. So, and when you ask somebody, uh, where did you get your work, work ethic from? Typically, they'd say, well, my dad. He was the hardest working man I knew, or my mom, you know. For me, it would be both my parents, but... Uh, his mom worked raising seven kids. So, uh, but, uh, you know, it usually comes like that. You know, somebody asks you, where'd you get your work from? And they say, well, my dad, he was a hardworking guy, blah, 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 blah. So, where do we get our work, work ethic from? Is it our father? Where do you get your work ethic from? So we're talking about work. What a great subject, Jeff. But Yahweh, the sovereign God of the universe, worked. Right? Turn to Genesis chapter 2. We'll try to, like I say, we'll be jumping around as typical from uh, many passages, and we'll try to tie it all together. Where do you get your work ethic from? Work now, rest later. Genesis 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their host. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. And then he blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work, 
which God had created and made. So Yahweh, the sovereign God of the universe, worked. Creation is his work. What does the epistle say? We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Right? Yahweh worked. The sovereign God of the universe worked. The second part of the Godhead, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, worked. Obviously, he was there at creation, right? Nothing was made without him. But let's, uh, let's turn over to John 4, 34, just as another reference. So we have God the Father worked, and go to John 4, 34. Jesus speaking, he says, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Right? Of course, he was talking, and the Pharisees were attacking him at this point in time in this passage, but he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So Jesus Christ was working to accomplish the Father's work. Remember, he only did what the Father did. The Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, turned to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. I have the iPad up here, and I'm still flipping through the pages, which is fine. First Peter. Chapter 1. Peter, an apostle, in verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit. For obedience to Jesus Christ, for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So our sanctification is a work of the Spirit. So in Labor Day weekend, we're talking about work now, rest later, the title and where do you get your work ethic from? Hopefully it's from your father and mother, but from your father. So God the Father worked, and he still works. Jesus Christ worked, and he's still working. And the Holy Spirit worked, and he is still working in us who believe. Then the first Adam, the first man who is a creation of God. 
right? Worked. Turn back to Genesis 2.15. Let's start in verse 7. Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being or living soul. And actually, when the Bereans years ago were going through Genesis, I believe. Well, I don't believe Mark was speaking when we were going through this passage. And he pointed out there in verse 7, you have the body, spirit, and soul right then there. The tripartite man right there in verse 7. Verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. And there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havilah where there is gold and the gold of that land is good. The Belium and the Onyx Stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It flows around east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Now, this is before the fall, right? This is before the fall. So he, he created man, and then he placed him in the garden to cultivate it, to keep it, to work it. See, this was before the fall, so it wasn't after the fall where he said, well, I'm going to make you start working now, right? It was before the fall. He formed man of the dust of ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Then there was the Garden of Eden, and then he placed man in the Garden of Eden to work. So the first man started working, working for the Lord in the Garden of Eden. So we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the first Adam, work. The Israelites worked, didn't they? The nation of Israel had to work. Turn to Exodus 32, verse 16, we'll see another work of God. This is obviously uh, when he brought them out of Egypt and they came up into the uh, mountain of God, right? 
go back to verse 15. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets which were written on both sides, they were written on one side and on the other. Verse 16, the tablets were God's work. The tablets were God's work and the writing was God's writing engraved on the tablets. And thus, of course, we know we're talking about the Ten Commandments. But it says right here in verse 16, the tablets were God's work. And they were written, engraved with the finger of God. And he gave those to the Israelites to instruct them on how they were to perform their daily walk. But see, there was a difference between the Israelites' work in Egypt, right? They worked in Egypt, didn't they? But that was forced labor. That was forced labor. Go to Exodus 35, verse 21. And we may jump back a few verses. See, there's a difference between the labor they were doing in the Egypt and the labor they were expected to do now. Because like I just said, the, force, the labor in Egypt, they were forced to do that labor. 35.21. This was when they were doing the, having to build the, the tent of congregation and the, and the garments for the priest and all that. Everyone, in verse 21, everyone whose heart stirred him. And everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution. Whose was it? The Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. Verse 22, then all whose hearts moved them, both men and women, came and brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and bracelets and all articles of gold. So did every man who presented an offering of gold to the Lord. Every man who had in his possession blue and purple and scarlet material and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and porpoise skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver and bronze brought the Lord's contribution. And every man who had in his possession acacia wood for any work of the service brought it. All the skilled women spun with their hands and brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet material and in fine linen. All the women whose heart stirred with a skill spun the goat's hair. The rulers brought the onyx stones and the stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastpiece and the spice and the oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. The Israelites, all the men and women 
whose heart moved them to bring material for all the work which the Lord had commanded through Moses to be done brought a free will offering to the Lord. Then Moses said to the sons of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uzi, or I'm sorry, Uri, even with these magnification lenses on. I thought that R was a Z. The son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and he, he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all craftsmanship to make designs for working in gold and in silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for settings and in the carving of wood so as to perform in every inventive work. He also has put in his heart to teach both he and Ola. Try that one real quick. Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to perform every work of an engraver and of a designer and an embroiderer, to, in blue and in purple and in scarlet material and in fine lemon, and of a weaver as performers of every work and makers of design. Skip forward to 39.42. They were bringing so much contribution, remember, Moses had to tell them to stop. But whose contribution was it? It was the Lord's contribution. How were they stirred to do it? They were pricked in heart and in the spirit. Moved them to do this work compared to the forced labor they were to do in Egypt. They brought so much contribution, so much free will offering that Moses had to tell them to stop. We have more than enough. 39.42 So the sons of Israel did all the work according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. And Moses examined all the work, and behold, they had done it just as the Lord had commanded. This they had done. So Moses blessed them. They did the work because they were moved in heart and spirit, and they did all that the Lord had commanded them, and then they received a blessing. Would they have received a blessing if they hadn't done all the work that the Lord God had commanded them? But see, they were moved in heart and spirit. They didn't have the taskmasters in Egypt standing there with whips beating them to make the brick even without the straw, right? 
They did this as a free will offering because they were moved in heart and spirit to do it. And then they received a blessing. So God the Father works and is still working. God the Son works and is still working. God the Holy Spirit worked and is still working in us. The first man, Adam, worked. That's why God placed him in the garden. Remember, after the fall, his work just became a little tougher, right? The Israelites worked. And so... The next point is, turn to John 9, 4. This is the story when uh, Jesus fastens the mud and puts it on the young man's eyes. Tells him to go wash, and then he receives his sight. But John 9, 4, and of course the, uh, the proponents of the Lord, the, the this religious leaders of the day are there again uh, harassing him. So start back in verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither this man that sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the what works of God might be displayed in him. Verse 4. We must... Work. We must work. We need to go to the Greek to understand what that phrase means. <laughs> work is in the present tense there, though. So we must keep on working. Remember? Continuous action, the Greek present tense. Verse 4, we must works, work the works of who? Him. We must work the works of him who sent Jesus as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man, no one can work. Of course, if you follow on, there is a day coming when you don't have the opportunity to do that working for the Lord anymore, right? So when we hear that trumpet and that shout and we're raptured out of here and we have to go and stand before the judgment seat of Christ, then your opportunity to work the works of the Lord is done. But it says here, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. 
Night is coming when no one can work. But, verse 5, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So if we're walking with Him, if we're abiding in Jesus Christ, abiding in Him, it's always light. Right? If you're abiding in Him, it's always light. So you can keep working because the day it's, it's still day. The light's still shining. If you're walking with Him, if you're abiding in Him, but there is a day when the night comes when you won't have that opportunity to work for the Lord anymore. And then in verse 6, of course, starts the study. He'd said this, he spat in the ground, made clay of the spittle, and applied it to his eyes, told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and he received his sight. Then the Pharisees had to bring not against him because he performed this miracle, or performed this sign, actually, on the Sabbath. We must work. We must work. Acts 13.2. Show you a few other guys that worked. It's an equal opportunity thing, remember? I'm the manager at uh, the Chattanooga Sunbelt Rentals, general manager, so when you hire somebody, you know, all of our hiring literature, you know, Sunbelt Rentals is an equal opportunity employer, right? Well, the sovereign God of the universe is an equal opportunity employer. Acts 13. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, who had been brought up with the Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Verse 2, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Barnabas and Saul had to work, right? Saul, who later became named Paul. We'll do a little Bible charge. Galatians 6.4 We must work. We must work. Galatians 6.4 But each one must examine his own work. And then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. Examine your own work. Ephesians 4.12 I said I brought that uh, iPad up here. I'm still doing it the old-fashioned way. 
can't break old habits. Verse, chapter 4, verse 12. Well, let's jump back to uh, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. He gave gifts to men, and those gifts that we have been given are to be worked, uh, used in the work of the service, His service. We must work. Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Start at the beginning. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it or complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So whose work is it? It's God's work. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. That's easy in my Bible, you just flip one page over. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Whoa, that's one of those passages that a lot of times that people like to skip over. What does that mean? Work out, huh? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And like I said, I've told multiple times since I spoke numerous times uh, here in the past over a decade, talking about, you know, the Lord led me to the kingdom truths through my struggles to understand the 
warning passages in Hebrews and what men <laughs> said they meant. Uh, my brother Mark Summers, the co-teacher for years at Bereans, uh, talked about this verse causing him some consternation <laughs> until he uh, just used the scriptures as the commentary on the scriptures, right? And not what a man said about it. Obviously, all salvation is based on works. There's past salvation, present, and future salvation. You say, wait a minute. It says, not of works, lest any man should boast. But yeah, but your initial spirit salvation is based on whose work? Jesus Christ finished work at Calvary. So it has nothing to do, you can't work to get saved because it's already been paid for. But that present and future tenses of salvation, that's where this thing is, where we come in, work now, rest later. We must work. John 9, 4. When the Israelites worked through the leadership of the Spirit and their hearts being moved, and they did all that the Lord commanded them, what did they receive at the end? A blessing. A blessing. We must work. This is talking about present and future salvation. Work out your salvation. And that work is in the middle voice in the Greek, and we won't spend a lot of time here. Requires action on our part. The middle voice. Right? We must work the works of Him. Not our own works that we do to get seen and noticed by others and and all that. Because it's not of if, if it's not of the spirit, it's sin. We must work. Following verse 12, we're at the end where it says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who is at work. In you, both to will and to work for whose pleasure? His good pleasure. For it is God who is at work in you for His good pleasure. Colossians. We're just going through all of Paul's epistles. Verse 9, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that, verse 10, you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, 
to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Bearing fruit. in every good work. See, there's going to come a time when the opportunity to bear fruit will be over. And we'll stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, and our, our hope should be that we hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Alan was talking about Mark's Sunday school lesson, which I got here a little late this morning. Heard some of it out in the hallway. But don't depart from the faith. That doesn't mean you lose your spirit salvation. But see, in a lot of churches today, they just talk about, you know, getting saved and then you're going to heaven and it's like you just crossed the finish line. <laughs> And that same gentleman, Kevin, uh, that married Autumn last night, just got saved back in the springtime at, uh, what's that church on 41, honey? Catoosa Baptist Tabernacle. Changed him. So when he came into the uh, office the next morning to tell me about it, and then I, I told him, uh, you, you just started the race, young man. You weren't even in the race. You just started it Sunday when you went forward. And I encouraged him. Of course, they gave, he got, bought a new Bible, and he told me to start in Genesis. So I think last time he talked to me, he was about through the Pentateuch, reading. But I said, you just started the race. You didn't cross the finish line. <laughs> you just started We must work. We won't go through all the epistles. I'm running out of time. I have like 10 more references. Ruth, another book that Mark went through <laughs> in the Bereans. Ruth is a type of the Gentiles. Esther is, of course, the Jews. Ruth, a type of the Gentiles, said she worked from morning to evening from the barley harvest to the wheat harvest. She's just working, working, working. Right? And what did she receive at the end? A blessing. A blessing. We must work. And it's not that physical work, remember, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. So it's not that you can't get a blessing from earthly labors, but that's not exactly the work that we're talking about here today. So we must work. And if we work... And like Alan said, all the way up to the end of our lives, 
Don't walk away from it. Don't turn your back on it. At the end, we'll receive a blessing. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for your word and the opportunity to open it up freely. We pray that your word, as you have promised, would not go forth and return void. Pray that each one of us here today would have eyes to see and ears to hear, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.